Welcome to this week's episode of the Creeptastic Nerds. I'm Justin Vaughn, joined as always by Jay and Tyler Gibson. Alright, on this week's episode we decided we're going to talk about the new Ninja Turtles movie, Mutant Mayhem. Uh, but first off, Tyler, read the book. Grab your book, man. Grab your book. Hey, by the way, we are doing better about recording it on a regular schedule again. We do yeah. not have our topics laid out ahead of time, but we are doing better about recording every yeah. other week. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. I don't remember where we left off at. I think that's the right one. Send it if it's not. Uh, while on Alcatraz, Al Capone was inmate 85. Hmm. Alcatraz. Mm. Baram and Indian... Yeah, an Indian thug holds the record for the most murders by a single individual. He strangled 931 people between 1790 and 1840 with a piece of yellow and white cloth called a ruba. The most by a woman is 610 by Countess Isabret Bathory of Hungary. That's Did you just say Hungary? I would just say Hungary. Shut up. <laughs> Hungary! <laughs> I'm trying to not sneeze and all this other shit. Sorry. Uh, Fidel Castro was once a star baseball player for the United or the University of Havana in 1940s. Huh. That's not a cool fact. Oh, shit. Leon Trotsky, the Semenolan... Russian communist was assassinated. Is Jay, shut up! <laughs> was assassinated in Mexico with an ice pick. You sure it's not some woman? No. Smiling. What? Smiling, whatever. Okay. Alrighty then. Joseph Stalin's left foot had webbed toes and his left arm was noticeably shorter than his right one. So he's a little lopsided. It <laughs> <laughs> webbed toes. On one foot. He's still web-toed. So when, when he went swimming, he swam in a circle? <laughs> <laughs> dude, let's get real, dude. It's Russia. Thank you, swimming. Robert Kennedy was killed in the Ambassador Hotel, the same hotel that housed Marilyn Monroe's first model agency. Huh. Hey, I'm sure they got indoor pools over there. Oh, that's true. Heated indoor pools. And while at Harvard University, Edward Kennedy was suspended for cheating on a Spanish exam. <laughs> hey, to be fair, who wouldn't cheat on, on to a be Spanish fair. exam? To be fair. Stop there. We're saving for later. Yeah, for an hour from now. I'm done with today. Hey, you know what, though? That's why you don't get drunk the night before we record. <laughs> A little bit. Me and Jay don't know how that yeah, feels. Yeah, I don't know what that is. It fucking sucks. Yeah, we, we don't know about that because uh, neither of us have ever been hungover. I think it's funny that it's October 1st and we didn't do the Halloween joke book. That is true. That is true. I completely forgot. We also didn't have a Halloween topic for these first two weeks. Yeah. We're slacking. After you just said we were... We're not planning out. anything out. Like we were doing. We need to get back to doing that. Yeah. But, you know, somebody doesn't like always answering us, Tyler. <laughs> I was talking already. Fuck you both. 
I learned having a Pong partner that isn't as good as Pong... Uh, what? <laughs> isn't at... What the fuck? My brain's having a stroke. Having uh, a partner that is not as good... At Pong... Yeah. As you are. Well, that's what's funny. Harley goes, Tyler, you're my Pong partner. As I'm getting food, so I didn't even get a say in this. I get back and Dylan's like, hey, yeah, you're Harley's Pong partner. I'm like, well, I've never played Pong before, but might as well send it. The first half of the game, I was the one making every fucking shot. Me and Jay went against each other once because, like, Jay was dominating in it. And uh, finally, like, somebody was like, oh, somebody's going to come up here and beat Jay. Because, like, literally, he wasn't drinking because he just kept making them. <laughs> and everyone kept missing. I got up there. He started drinking because I started making them motherfuckers. See, that was Megan and Cole's friend Devin that they know from work. It was him and his wife. And, dude, his wife is a fucking, swear to God, a champion at Pong. What what was her name? Brianna? Yeah. I can Cheryl, my customer, their daughter. I need to get back over there and mow and I still haven't been able to because well, I can't really get to my mower right this second. Yeah. Because the grass around it's so freaking tall. But the, like, the funnier part about it was that it got to the point where we were bo- me and Harley did bottoms up at least twice in the third game. Harley literally just opened a Twisted Tea and had two chugs and Twisted Tea after she just opened it. What kind of Twisted Tea? Half and half. Oh. Joe drinks Twisted Tea Lights. <laughs> Honestly, we were going to go last night and we we're going to bring Joe with us. Oh, dude, he would have fun. Because normally Cole and Megan invite like some single women. And I figure, hey, it's a good time to go wing ring for Joe a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I know, he apparently does all right getting his own booty calls. Just once, dude. <laughs> Just once. You have to try something, obviously. <laughs> all right, our topic. Uh, we've done almost 10 minutes of bullshit, bullshit ramblings. Uh, so. All right, so I watched this like as soon as I realized it was coming out on Paramount Plus. Yep, me too. <laughs> I was like, I looked at Beth. I was like, I gotta watch that. She goes, I don't want to watch that. The turtles look stupid. I was like, Well, I'll watch it with the kids. So one night the kids are kind of rowdy. I was like, Hey, how about we sit down? It's like we'll watch a movie, just the three of us. Let you know, I was gonna let Beth relax in the bedroom, just trying to keep the kids' attention elsewhere i was like and we'll watch we'll sit down and watch this movie and we'll eat some grapes because me kenley loves sitting there eating grapes with me tell me john cool did a voice in here yeah who do you voice i don't remember apparently sort of post malone i knew uh, dude they had a star-studded cast bro oh, i knew ice cube did ice cube was the fly <clears throat> I did, like I said, dude, they had a star-studded cast for this movie. And I actually really like this movie. I'm still, I, I still honestly don't know how I feel about it. But. It was funny. It still went to the, into the origins of, like, why the turtles are the way they are. Oh, it was rock steady. That's right. I knew that oh. because cause me and the guy I work with talked about it because. The fact that they had two different wrestlers play Rocksteady. Yeah. Because... Sheamus and now Sheamus, John Cena. Yeah, John Cena. That's right. Sheamus did play 
Rocksteady in the live action one. Yep. Uh, he worked alongside Megan Fox. But, yeah, did you just... I don't know, the anime, it was cool because it looked like an actual old school animation. It wasn't, and they weren't like super blocky, but they legit looked like teenagers. Yeah. Of course Paul Rudd was the Mondo Gecko. Why not? I will admit that them using Jackie Chan in a splitter was a good idea. It, uh, an amazing idea. And the the people actually voiced the turtles were legit teenagers. Yeah. Whose idea was it though for Splinter to be shacking up with some goofy ass <laughs> fucking Jacobin? <laughs> whatever the hell it was. <laughs> like, that was just weird. <laughs> but it's cool though, because like towards the end you did actually have where they all were living together. Yeah, like Bebop and Rock City were living with them. Since when? And they they decided to bring in the shredder. And and Baxter Stockman didn't create by me Bob and Rocksteady. Splinter did. It's different. Cut down. Don't you remember watching the cartoon when you were a kid? It was Splinter and fucking Crane they created me Bob and Rocksteady. You mean Shredder? Yeah, Shredder. That's why I was confused. He says Splinter. I was like, Shredder, wait a minute. Shredder, Splinter had Shredder, a hand Shredder. in creating them? I don't Shredder, remember that. Shredder. Shredder, Shredder, Shredder. I don't know you said Splinter twice. Now, yes, in the live action movie, Baxter Stockman was involved, helped Shredder create them. A.K.A. Tyler Perry. But, However, he wasn't, he wasn't the one that actually was creating them. He was being guided by Craig to do so, in reality... But in this one, apparently, Baxter Stockman's the one that like, made all the mutated, after mutated mutants. Technically, he wasn't. He created the one. The fly created the race. <laughs> the fly, yeah. <laughs> I just think it's cool, though. Like, he's a... Well, he's a gangster? Well, yeah, <clears throat> he kept saying they were, they, were, they, were, they were all his brothers. Yeah. That's why I thought Baxter Stockman did it. Well, and if you look, it did show, like, the different creatures that he was working on. So it is 100% possibility he actually did. However. Superfly, the one took care of him. You know. And every one of them has a different personality. Has different strength. They all unite to take down Superfly when he gets super mutated. And starts absorbing everything around, all the animals around him. Well, that's because they all... They, the turtles made up realize they didn't want to like hurt nobody. Yeah. But it was cool. I mean, like I said, I like I like how they did the turtles. They made them actual teenagers. Yeah. yeah. Instead of making them seem way older, which technically, yes, they could still be teenagers, even being a little bit older teenagers. But it actually made them seem like real teenagers. <coughs> And then April O'Neil was a black girl. And uh, and then another thing that was weird, they actually had Leo be the one that liked her, not Donnie. Yeah. Usually Donnie's the one that liked Rachel. Or Rachel. <clears throat> April, why am I... Or Mikey. Fucking shit up. Mikey yeah, does too. And like yeah. almost all of them, Mikey has a thing for April. It's just April and Donnie usually get along the best. But then they actually attend school. Like, yeah. why do they take off their mask to attend school? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they never... <laughs> Until they were a bit of Bob Grass up there fighting crime. 
And they ain't never been around people like that. Well, now they're going to be an AP Kim or some shit. It's really weird. No, it's just Donnie. That's Donnie taking AP classes. Come on now. True that. Ralph. Uh, Ralph? Why did I say Ralph? I've been watching it's not Wreck-It much. Ralph, man. I've been watching way too much Scorpion. No, Ralph would be the one to be P class. He'd be on a football team just like a crush people. True that. Or wrestling. Yeah. <coughs> Mikey be the one throwing parties. Yep. He'd be the class clown. And Leo would just be the one. He'd be the valedict- valedictorian. Maybe not. Head jock, maybe? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I see him being the one that's kind of well-rounded and everything. Yeah. Like a member of a few clubs. Like Donnie would be the member of the AV club. They even legit made him a nerd. Like the fucking glasses and everything. Well, I mean, in the live action, he had glasses too. I know. But they like legit made him a fucking nerd, dude. <laughs> with the gla- big ass glasses and everything. They, I thought they almost almost matched it exactly to the to Michael Bay's fucking Donnie. Yes. The only difference is, is the tape at the moment a little bit like, like different. Almost perfect match. And for the cast of Splinter, perfect casting for Splinter. Oh, yeah. Who better than Jackie Chan? Jackie Chan could so come off like that. I mean, as a master like that. And, like, Splinter's, like, to get into Splinter's backstory, and he was just a rat on the street. But in everything else, he was not a rat on the street. He was, he was owned by somebody. And his cage got crushed. And one of them, yes, he was, he was a pet rat to... That was, live, that was the original live action. To the guy. And then the other one, he was, was a rat. It was, it was one, of them, one of them, he was a human that got turned into a rat. Yeah. I, like, I will say, like the movie poster, though, if you look at it, how... Uh, Raphael and Michelangelo is on their skateboards, and then you got Leo with the skateboard, but yet Donnie has a scooter. <laughs> I can see Donnie riding a scooter. <laughs> he seems like a scooter guy. <clears throat> uh, like I said, th- this one to me seemed more like I know it wasn't hand drawn or anything like the classics were. But it kind of threw it back to that a little bit more. And that was kind of cool. I mean, it was really funny. Like, April steals that, like, fucking... Like, bigger bike or whatever after her scooter's all fucked. (laughs) After they save her scooter for her. And she she wants to be a reporter, but when she tried to do, like, the school fucking news, she puked puked everywhere. (laughs) Did she still puke when she got live on TV? After after relaying her story. Well, she puked then she went back into it and kept going. Alright. Mute Mayhem was produced by Nickelodeon Movies and Point Grey Pictures, which explains why it's on Paramount+. Plus. The film was announced in June 2020 with Roe as director... Tyler Spears joined soon after as, as co-director. The animation was provided by Micros Animation in Montreal and Paris and Cinecite in Vancouver and Montreal and was primarily influenced by school notebook sketches 
Hence why I said that. And seeking to explore the teenage aspect of the turtles, the filmmakers drew inspiration from teenage coming-of-age films. The majority of the cast was announced in March 2023. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross composed the score. Mutant Mayhem was screened as a work in progress at the NSC International Animation Film Festival on June 12, 23. It was released by Paramount Pictures in the United States on August 2, 2023. It has grossed $173 million worldwide and received positive reviews for its performances, screenplay, and stylized animation. Several critics considered it the best Turtles film, a follow-up television series, Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, is set to premiere on Paramount+. Plus. And a sequel film is, is in development. Sweet. Well, yeah, we know it had to be because they inter- they they introduced or they showed you Shredder at the end of it. Yeah, literally just right at the end. Shred- it's a call in the Shredder. Techno Cosmic Research Institute TCRI, which I thought it was TGRI, not TCRI in the originals. Executive Cynthia. Utrum sent a squad to hunt down rogue scientist Baxter Stockman, who has created a mutagen ooze with which he intends to form his own mutant animal family, starting with a housefly. Baxter is interrupted by Cynthia's strike force and killed in the resulting explosion. While the mutagen falls into the sewers of New York City, the mutagen turn four turtle brothers, Michelangelo, Leonardo, Raphael, and Donatello, and a rat named Splinter, into humanoid mutants. Whereupon Splinter adapts, <coughs> adopts the turtles. Splinter distrusts humanity, particularly after one encounter where he and the turtles were chased away and trains his sons in the art of ninjutsu, introducing them to only leave the sewer, instructing them to only leave the sewer home to steal supplies over the years. The turtles long to live with and like humans their age, much to Splinter's dismay. Fifteen years later, the Turtles defeat a gang of criminals to recover a stolen moped belonging to a teenager named April O'Neil, revealing themselves and their origins. April and an aspiring journalist struggling to move past a viral incident of vomiting on camera has been investigating a series of robberies of TCRI technology by a criminal known as Superfly. The Turtles plan to stop Superfly, and through April's recordings... April's reporting when public acceptance as heroes. They intercept a piece of stolen technology and meet Superfly under the Brooklyn Bridge, discovering that he is not only a mutant himself, but a leader of a mutant gang. Ecstatic to f- meet fellow mutants, the, te- <coughs> the Turtles bond with Superfly and the others, and he reveals their creation at the hands of Stockman, explaining that he evaded TCRI and are living in a- that they evaded TCRI and are and are living in, on an abandoned ship in Staten Island. He then reveals that he plans to use the stolen technology to mutate every animal on Earth and create a world where mutants have dominancy over humans. The turtles try to intervene, but the gang escapes with the equipment while a tracker, TCRI, installed on the equipment falls back with the turtles, allowing them to be captured at TCRI headquarters. Cynthia extracts the turtles' mutagen, but April arrives with spirits to rescue them. At the gang's hideout, Splinter and the Turtles convince them that their plan for domination will make them no better than the worst of humanity. And together they turn on Superfly, destroying his machine. However, the ooze falls into the water, combining marine wildlife with Superfly, who then transforms into a gigantic, whale-like, 
Keju, after grabbing animals from a nearby zoo, he attacks the city and the turtles and other mutants attempt to stop him, but he is soon, are assumed by the public to be fellow mo monsters. Leonardo finds his voice as a leader while April overcomes her anxiety and commandeers a news broadcast to explain the mutants' good intentions, and the citizens of New York come to their aid. With the help of the citizens and other mutants, the turtles drop a canister of TCRI retromutagen into Superfly's blowhole, turning him back into a collection of normal animals. Reconciling with Splinter, the turtles, April, and the mutants are celebrated by the city. The mutants soon move into the sewers with them. Splinter and Scumbug fall in love, and the turtles enroll at April's high school, where they are all embraced as heroes. While the Turtles and April enjoy themselves at prom, they are under surveillance from Cynthia, holding the now unmutated Superfly captive, who plans to recapture the Turtles by enlisting the aid of the mysterious Shredder. Shredder. Dun, dun, dun. So, I was looking at the cast, and the guy who voices Shredder is one of the kids from the movie The Good Boys. I don't know if you've seen that movie. That movie you got Makai Abbey as Donatello. Shaman Brown Jr. as Michelangelo. Nicholas Cantu as Leonardo. <laughs> Brady Noon as Raphael. Ayo and Bree as April O'Neil. Maya Rudolph as Cynthia Altrum. John Cena as Rocksteady. Seth Rogen as Bebop. Rose Vine as Leatherhead. Uh, Natasha Demetrio as Wingnut. And... Gianna Carlo Esposito as Baxter Stockman. Jackie Chan as Splinter. Ice Cube as Superfly. Super Paul Rudd as Mondo Gecko. <laughs> Post Malone credited as Austin Post as Rave Filet. Anna Barres as uh, Genghis Frog. Mr. Beast as Times Square Guy. Derek Wilson as Spider. Luke Williams as Curious Goon. Michael Badaluco as Bad Bernie. Dipsy Poppin as Bald Bronson. John. Capo Dice as Cab Driver, Adia Winslow as TV Anchor, Rachel Wong as News Anchor, David Pastino as Normal Nate, Danielle Mastrogio, Mastrogio as Toupee Tom and Police Philo Officer. Gibson as Responding Police Officer and Military Advisor. Myra O'Yang as Short Sharon, Kevin Eastman as Good... Kevin Eastman's in there, really? As Good Human. You know who that is? The original, one of the original creators of Turtles. Yeah. Oh. Huh. Alex Hirsch, Hirsch as Bossy Goons and Scumbag. Scumbug. Scumbag. Michael Arena as Once a Paycheck Goon. Chop Bobby Chop Boss. Ratatouille Guard. Bobby Wagner. Man who thought, I, thought a giant rat was a big cat, but it was actually a rat. Greg Leviton as Gecko Goon. Yeah, Gwyneth is a helpful construction worker. Natalia Cunningham is assigned my baby mom. Tyler Spears is an apologetic goon. Jeff Rowe is a man who loves being young and free to go places. <laughs> I didn't know that Kevin Eastman actually uh, voiced somebody in here. I didn't know Mr. Beast did either. Like that, that's cool. That is awesome. Because Kevin, Kevin Eastman is one of the original creators. <coughs> Alright, let's see here. Man, that's a, that's a lot of stuff. What, for the... 
Oh, I did the production yeah. development. Following Ramsey Naito's appointment at Nickelodeon in 2018, she and Brian Robbins discussed who to bring onto the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise. Seth Rogen was decided upon, and Jeff Rowe joined the project soon after. In June 2020, Deadline Hollywood reported <coughs> that Nickelodeon Animation Studio was developing a computer-animated Turtles film for Paramount Pictures. Rowe was hired to direct from a screenplay by Brendan O'Brien, Rogan, Evan Goldberg, and James Weaver produced through their production company, Point Grey Pictures, which is credited alongside Nickelodeon Movies. Naito and Josh Fagan oversaw production for Nickelodeon and Point Grey, respectively. In August 2020 interview with Claudia Rogan said that the film would heavily lean into the teenage element of Turtles, he stated. As a lifelong fan of Ninja Turtles, weirdly, the teenage part of Teenage Mutant Turtles was always the part that stuck out to me the most. And as someone who loves teenage movies, and who's made a, a lot of teenage movies, and who literally got their start in the entire profession by writing a teenage movie, the idea of kind of honing in on the element was really exciting to us. I mean, not disregarding the rest, but really using that as kind of a jumping-off point for the film. In 2021, Rogan revealed a teaser image through his Twitter page, which contained school notes written by Leonardo. The film original original release date and other details. By October 2021, the film was under the working title Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Next Chapter. Production designer Yashar Kasai elaborated on the project. You anchor yourself enough in the familiar elements of it so that it's easily recognizable, and then you, you either add to or enhance some of the existing charm of the franchise. The title Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem had been finalized by August 2022. Kyle Spears joined the film as co-director, signing on because he had worked with Rao on his prior film, The Mitchells vs. The Machines. J.J. Villard was commissioned to design the film's logo. Writing. Ultimately, Rogan, Goldberg, and Rowe, along with the writing team of Dan Hernandez and... Menji Summit received screenplay credit with O'Brien and the former three having story by billing. Rogan and Rowe wanted to f- the film to emphasize the teenage aspect of the Turtles. Rowe compared Mutant Mayhem to the coming of age film Stand By Me and Lady Bird and remarked that his goal was to make the ultimate teenage coming of age film. He described the Turtles as having an inauthentic confidence that teenagers have, adding that teenagers often operate with this hyped-up sense of, we can do anything. The writers wanted to create their own version of the Turtles lore and did not take all elements from the previous iterations into account. Rowe explained that they aimed to make it more logical and skate it past a lot of things to make it really operate from a place of character and rea- and reliability. Relatability. R- relatability. Thank you. <clears throat> Rose cited his admiration for the classic Turtles toys as a reason why a lot of the mutant characters were written into the film. Shredder was originally the main villain of Mutant Mayhem, but was written out because Rose wanted the film's villain to be a mutant who could relate to the Turtles and who the Turtles could relate to and 
be tempted by. Superfly was originally going to be a mutated version of Baxter Stockman, a character who has been turned into a mutant fly in past Turtle media. The two ultimately wound up being separate characters. An early draft of Mutant Mayhem was more of a high school film. Roe explained that with the initial version, it was hard to make the turtles' lives intersect with the crime villain plot in a natural way, adding that the turtles had already achieved their goal early on in the script. As a result, the film had to reset 30 minutes in, and new characters, other kids in the high school, and relations to be established. Rao described it as tedious. Eventually, in July 2022, Rogan approached Rao through through text message, telling him that the film was fundamentally broken and had to be completely changed, a sentiment in which Rao agreed. Consequently, in the next four months, the film was completely rewritten and boarded into its final state. Shit. But casting on March 4th of 2023 during the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards, Rogan revealed <coughs> that Micah Abbey, Saman Brown, Brown Jr., Nicholas Cantu, and Brady Doom would have been all who were in attendance had been casted for the roles as the Turtles, Donatello, Michelangelo, Leonardo, and Raphael. Respectively, other cast members revealed in their respective roles in the ceremony were, were Rogan himself, Hannibal Burris, Rose Bright, John Cena, Jackie Chan, Ice Cube, Natasha, Dimitru, Ayu, Edbury, Giancarlo, Esposito, I don't know how to say that. That, that, that one. Post Malone, Paul Rudd, and Maya Rudolph. Meet Mayhem marks the first time all four Turtles are portrayed by teenage actors. Prior to that, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1990, which featured Corey Fieldman as Donatello, which I did not know, was released when the actor was 19 years old. R- Rogan felt that the decision to cast teenagers for the parts in Mutant Mayhem made it stand out from previous versions of turtles saying something very intuitive became something that really opened up our version. Hundreds of actors auditioned for the role of the turtles. Raul watched every tape and narrowed them down to the ones he felt worked. He edited voices into the character designs to see which suited which. After narrowing it down to ten, Abby Brown, Kitu, and Noon had a chemistry table read together and then ultimately landing the roles. Raul described the four as perfect and the table and the table read as kinetic and alive and recruiting Chan, he wrote a letter to him asking if he wanted to be part of a Turtles film. The team held a meeting with Ice Cube, who when told his character's name was Superfly, laughed and agreed to sign on. Ice Cube also chose to sign on because of his his and his son's emotional connection with the Turtles franchise. Look, dude, there. that is awesome, dude. <laughs> just just a name? Hell yeah, let's do it. That's great. Abby drew from the characteristics of his friends and previous portrayals of the character for his performance as Donatello. Brown did not want to do the typical surfer dude voice of Michelangelo during the audition process inspired by Brandon Michael Smith's take on the character in Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He sought to do his own thing with it. Cantu wanted to bring a quality of nervousness to Leonardo feeling that there was a level of anxiety that comes with leading the group, which I get. I yeah. Understand. Yeah. Newton wanted to balance Raphael's range, rage with a more light-hearted and funny performance to make him more relatable. In portraying April O'Neil, Edibree wanted, wanted to 
harken back to her teenage years and tap into her character's determination. Turtles co-creator co Kevin Eastman appears in a voice cameo as a citizen that helps Splinter during the climax, credited as Good Human. Her wanted the role to be voiced by someone meaningful to the franchise and chose to cast Eastman as a homage to Stan Lee's cameos in Marvel Comics ad adaptations until his passing in 2018. Scumbug uses a blend of different voices, but is credit to Alex Hirsch. So, Eastman was the guy that fucking helped Splinter. Like, <laughs> I did not know that. That's awesome. <clears throat> in contrast to the norm for animation, the cast recorded their, voices, their voice roles together in groups rather than independently from one another. A single recording session could include up to seven actors. This environment allowed for the cast to play off each other as well as employ a lot of improv... Improvis Improvisation. Yeah, sure, let's go with that. <laughs> In their performances, Rogan was partially influenced to apply this approach to Mute Mayhem from his experience recording The Lion King with Donald Glover and Billy whatever. Hector. He described the process as follows. For every session, we lumped to get people together. So every time the four turtles were recorded, they were together. I and John Cena were bebop and rocksteady, and we recorded together. Ice Cube has a bunch of scenes with the kids, and they are recorded together. So we really went over, went out of our way and bent over backwards on Ninja Turtles to try to capture that Interpretational. energy that you get when you... When a lot of people are in the same place at the same time. That is actually pretty cool, dude. Rogan directed particular praise towards praise towards Abby Brown came to a noon and said that they tried to capture the way they actually interacted with each other in the film. He recalled an account of one recording session with the quartet and how they would all hang out together in the kitchen of the recording studio. They would make they would all just talk over each other and make fun of each other. Screaming at each other, according to him, the event was, was what pushed him to start having the four record together, as he felt that the energy was right for the film. Shit. Nice. That's fucking sick. Ooh. Sorry, you guys keep talking. Uh, I'm just still scrolling through to see how much more we have left to read. Like with his previous outing, the Mitchells vs. Machines, Rob wanted Mutant Mayhem to look different from what was expected. From an animated film, the director's aim was to make it heavily resemble the concept art. He was inspired by sketches he made in school, notebooks, as a teenager, and how they tend to have a lot of exaggerated features, spikes, and random effects, li effects lines, and wanted the film's animation to reflect a similar feeling. Rao described the film's sketch look as its North Star, as the comic book-inspired look was for Spider-Man and the Spider-Universe. Or Spider-Universe. You know the Spider-Verse? Production designer Yashar Kasai found working out the style of the film one of the most difficult parts of the production. He and Rao encouraged the artists to embrace their imperfections and draw like teenagers. Kasai cited the 1987 television series and the classic toy line as big inspirations for the production team. We were looking back to the time when sophomoric Gross out humor was the comedic style of the day, so we started there, but then we added the teenage drawing aspect on top of it as a very strong top layer. He also cited 
Chunking Express, 1994, is a heavily influenced on the film's visuals. Since a lot of the film takes place at night, the artist spent a lot of time diversifying what New York looks like at night and giving a variety of different color schemes. Sorry, I have no idea where we're at. <laughs> we are in design. Uh, the second paragraph of design. No, the third paragraph. Oh, yeah, we are. Ah! Row and lead character designer Woodrow White pushed for less for less bulky versions of the turtles and ha- and to have the main force for more teenage builds similar to Michelangelo and his braces. Donatello was given glasses not as a defining trait of geekiness and wisdom, but rather as one of adolescence. With Splinter, White wanted to le- to lean into the dad aspect of the character and get and have him look disheveled from the stresses of parenthood. As a ninja master, Splinter wears a... I have no idea what the fuck that is. Uh, He cut from a bathrobe, which also... It's a fucking gi. Yeah, basically. He cut from a bathrobe, which also reflects the DIY nature of the character. Additionally, White gave him sweatpants... Which he described as a common staple of st- of stay-at-home parents. Jeff Bridges, that dude character from the Big Lebowski, Lebowski, Big Lebowski, served as inspiration for Splinter's fashion. That's funny. While he bu- while his build was inspired by Danny DeVito, I <laughs> <laughs> also studied photos of actual rats. When designing the character for Splinter's fighting style, the filmmaker studied his actor Jackie Chan in films such as Police Story, Rumble, and Rumble in the Bronx. White did not want to make Leatherhead look too muscular, but rather very much like what an actual alligator would look like if it took if it stood on two legs. He collaborated with whatever that dude's name is when designing Genghis Frog. And basic characters look on that of a pixie frog. Rock City was given a larger head to emphasize the character's horn, which White felt was a rhinoceros's defining feature. With Ray Follett, he wanted to give the character a more menacing edge and injected inject more manta ray into him. Similarly, White wanted Wingnut to be more bat-like than previous versions of the character by keeping her wings on her arms. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the film was animated by Mikkelrod's Animation in Montreal and Paris. It's inside of Vancouver. Montreal Micros was hired in 2022 to handle the bulk of the animation, which inside joined soon after to produce nearly 25 minutes. Micros was one of the many studios that completed a test shot for the feature. It featured 40 seconds of Donatello talking... The studio was tasked with matching the CGI animation as closely as possible to that, to the 2D animation as close reference provided. I got myself backwards. According to Micro's visual effects supervisor, Matteo Roxel, Roxel, I don't know. Rao told him if the picture looks like a 2D painting when it is not moving, that means we are good. The test helped Micro's realize. The need to make specific developments to the re- rendering for the film stylized shaders, curves, and edges. That was fucking hard to read. 
Good lord. Still not as bad as when we did that, uh... Honestly, I think we're I think we covered that pretty good. Yeah. Of the design and stuff. But it is really cool, though. Like, there are aspects of this film that I really, really like. Like, they focus on the teenage part. So they made them, you know, more teenage, but where they still had the ninja training. It features hip-hop music for popular artists with a heavy emphasis on classic East Coast hip-hop. Makes sense. They're in New York. According to Rogan Rao, like in the soundtrack to that of the Tony Hawk's video game series. Hell yeah! Okay. Vanilla Ice's Ninja Rap. I know, dude. I started playing through that, and I was like, "Are you fucking serious?" According to Rob, <laughs> getting legal clearance for Backstreet's "No Diggity" was difficult. The team explored using alternatives for that sequence, featuring the songs such as DMX's "Rough Riders" and hmm. I can see nice. that. Nice. I know. I, I started hearing a goat ninja goat. I'm like, "Yeah, hell yeah, that was great." Detroit rapper what makes sense, right? <laughs> he is technically from the East Coast now. He lives in Florida. <coughs> I only know that from his Vanilla Ice project show that he did on DIY Network. Ice, ice yeah. baby. And he still calls everybody VIP. <laughs> uh, no, I, everything about this movie I actually did like. Like, even Abel didn't move throughout the whole movie. And when I had to pause it so I can go smoke, he got upset, dude. He wanted to keep watching. So even he was able to relate to the characters a little bit better. Like, I don't know why, but the way they made the characters, it worked. I I, I still don't know what to think about it. I mean, it was funny. And I did enjoy watching it, but... Being a long time fucking fan, it was just weird to me. Some of the stuff was just weird. Hey, by the way, kind of same topic, but not quite the same topic. Did you realize that the original Turtle Turtle Show is on Paramount yes, Plus? Yes, I've been watching it. I have not been watching it, but I have it marked on my watch list so I could watch it. Yeah, because yeah, I noticed that the day I actually went to watch this. <laughs> because it was like all turtles, and I'm like, what? And I'm like, and I started scrolling through, and I'm like, holy shit, like the original. Cartoon, I'm like hell yeah. They actually do have almost all the original or all the shit on there, dude. I'm like, fuck yeah. I'm pretty sure they do, but I know they have at least almost <coughs> all of it, which is awesome. I'm like hell yeah. Me, Joe, and I want to say Beth was kind of in and like in and out watching it, but we actually sat and watched the third one one day because I was like, this one makes no fucking sense it to really the rest doesn't. of them. And they're like, what do you mean? And we started watching it and. Like, I don't think Joe had ever seen it, but I was like, I used to own all three of the originals. I own them all. And, like I said, he started watching, he goes, what? I was like, none of this makes sense. I have the three, I have the original three live action, and I have the two Michael Bay on DVD. Actually, my Michael Bay ones are on Blu-ray. But yeah, it's that third one, uh, they went way left field there, because you had the first one that, you know, kind of introduced the turtles, whatever. Then the second one that, you know, you got to learn their backstory with the ooze. And then all of a sudden, bam, the third one, they're, they're, they're being transported to fucking Japan or whatever. Ancient Japan. Not even transported to Japan. Ancient Japan. It's like, what the hell is going <laughs> on here? All because April bought this 
bought the scepter thing at the fucking flea market for Splinter, and then all of a sudden she gets supported and switched place with, and well, they do it in my hair. You're like, what the Dude, hell? Dude, the only on? reason why I remember that like the movie so well is because the actress who plays April. And the movies is the same one who plays Marty's mom. Only the first tell. two. <laughs> yeah, the first two, but she still. The third one is a different person playing April. <laughs> you know what I mean. But it was, yeah, the third one was. I don't. It was weird. Don't know what they were doing there, but this one, the 2011 version of TMNT, it was, it was good, but it, it was some lacking stuff. Like they send off Leonardo. And Mikey's running a party service? Them living on a farm? I'm, that, dude, you'd be surprised how often that actually comes up to living on a farm. Yeah. Because, like, I watched all the, like, the animated ones. Uh, April having telekinetic powers. Now, I did read The Last Ronin, my last Ronin book, comic book. Really good read. Really awesome. Uh, I, suggest, but, I suggest that you read it. It's cool. But yeah, it's just um, like I said, you'd be surprised how often that actually comes up. Them living on a farm, and like when they remade the cartoons, they actually do a, a season where they're just living on a farm. Yeah, I know. So, well, they it, originally went to the farmhouse in, in the, the original movie, yeah, to hide out after April's apartment got yeah. destroyed. So, like but I said, no, you'd like, be surprised how often how that actually happens. Because it actually, it actually belongs to April. Powers, April's parents. Grandpa or whoever. Like that old the show, it's her parents on the farm, and then they, her dad moved her to New York. I was, I was just saying, you'd be surprised how often that actually but happens. No, but her having powers, though? Yeah, I'm just, I know. What the uh, turtle gotta do to get some food around here? But, so, I mean, the far, them living on a farm is not really... That big of a deal to me, but man, there's like well, in the one and the one they actually meet like some weird creature out in the forest. Well, like TMNT, the movie from whatever 2011 or whatever, it it wasn't a bad movie, but they actually talk about how they're all doing their own thing. Like Donatello is tech support from a sewer. Mikey runs a party service. What the fuck does Raph do? Other than he's a crime fighter at night. Nothing. And Leo was off in some other country, like, helping people. Like, he gets sent away to learn how to become a better leader. How does that make him a better leader? Like, that makes no sense. This movie makes way, way, way more sense. <clears throat> Like, way more sense than that one. I had a burnt copy of that team in TV. Yeah. I don't know what happened to it, though. So you had a pirated version, Jay? So you're a pirate? I'm Arr. not a pirate. I didn't do it. <laughs> I don't even remember where it came from. Probably either me or Jeannie. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on the quality of it. If it was good quality, it probably came from me. If it was shitty quality, it probably came from Jeannie. She burned a lot of shitty quality stuff. I don't know. Uh, Alright, so five star review on Apple Podcast yep. and Spotify. Reach out to us on Twitter or my bad, not Twitter anymore. On X, X, X. at Creeptastic Nerd. Facebook and Instagram at the Creeptastic Nerds. By the way, I still cannot log into our Instagram. 
Uh, or you what? could uh, still can't log into our Instagram. Oh. It still will not, not let me switch to it. I don't know why. Uh, or you can email us at creeptastinger.gmail.com. All right, so I was going to say something to you guys, and I forgot what I was going to say. Fuck. Uh, any recommendations? Jay just recommended a comic. The last Ronin, yeah. I do got a recommendation that actually does fit within our podcast parameters here, which is the Night Owl podcast. Takes yeah. a jur- journalistic view of ghost hunting, which is pretty badass. And, like, when I was describing it to you, I think Tyler would enjoy it. Jay, not so much, but Tyler definitely would. Uh, the way he does it is, like, he tries to find any information. So if he's told about this place being haunted, he tries to find every every ounce of information out he can find about the place. Deaths that were there, uh, who owned the place, like everything. Just so that he can... Uh, that way, if something comes up, he can kind of refute the evidence if he, you know. And they do bring in a psychic, which is kind of cool. But he changes her name on the show. He does not want her name actually being known. So, I don't know who she actually is. But she goes by Sarah on the show. And he doesn't tell her anything about the location. Like, for the very first episode, he brings her on and... Oh, maybe it's not. Yeah, I think it's the very first one. He brings her on and he doesn't tell her about the place doesn't even invite her to where they're going which is a tattoo parlor doesn't even go there goes to a coffee shop next door to it <coughs> she starts telling him stuff about what's going on over there before he even tells her that's where they're going which is kind of cool uh so it's a little bit different and yeah i think i think you'll really like it uh, I'm hoping to hear back from my boss Monday telling me that he got it approved for me to become a maintenance lead. The baby will be here soon. That week I may not record. I don't know. Oh, I remember what I want to tell you guys. I found another hosting site instead of Anchor or Spotify for podcasters now, I guess. Uh, but you got to pay for it. But they'll insert ads. So we can monetize. And they'll boost our podcast. So that more people actually listen to it. But we could also do. The network. So our production thing. Of them one guy's production. <laughs> if you didn't notice. That's what our podcast is I under know. now. <laughs> <clears throat> we can do a network one to where we can have like up to like six podcasts and only pay one price every year for all six. And they'll do it for all six of them. Now, that may mean we might just have to, rec- you know, we might just have to start multiple podcasts <laughs> so we can actively use all six, which would work for like dad's podcast. Which hopefully will be coming soon. I don't know exactly when he wants to record. 
But the whole, my whole point in saying it is it's something for us to discuss. Um, especially, I mean, if they'll push the podcast. I think it's something we should seriously consider. We've had 45 plays since the 1st of September. Nice. But, yeah, I, I think it's definitely something to consider. And I definitely think it may end up helping us make money doing this. We have 23 Spotify followers. 2,552 plays of all time. Uh, 46% male, 42% female, 12% not specified, and... Uh, but yeah, just like it's a kind of a cool thing to think about. Yeah. And they'll also, the site I was looking at could would also do more of the true statistics. So, like, Spotify for podcasters, they only tell you the Spotify listenership. But if you actually look at our listenership, like it shows like where everybody's listening, there's quite a few that listen on other apps yeah, we got just Spotify. We got 39% on Apple Podcasts, 15% on web browser, 13% on Amazon, 12% on Spotify, 4% on Google. Wait, we're on Amazon? Yeah, I got uh, us on Amazon. 2% Podcast Addict, 2% Spotify for podcasters, and 12% others. That's what I mean, though. Like, <clears throat> I don't know what others is, but... That's what I mean, though. Like, They would give us all... Them statistics, we're, not just... We're in over, like, 51 countries. I counted it up the other day. Yeah. It's, like, over 51. But, yeah, it would, it would give us all that statistic information, not just the one. Albania, Ethiopia, Haiti, Saudi Arabia, Ukraine, Romania, Costa Rica, Turkey, Belize, Greece, Cyprus, Bogolithania, Puerto Rico, Iceland, Israel, Kuwait, Malta, Colombia, Slovenia, <laughs> Luxembourg, Zimbabwe... Venezuela, Taiwan, Egypt, Hong Kong, Chile, Kenya, Vietnam, Kenya, Belgium, Estonia, Norway, Tunisia, United Arabia, Emirates, Portugal, Ireland, Russia, Philippines, South Africa, Pakistan, Serbia, Denmark, Sweden, New Zealand, Australia, Italy, Netherlands, Australia, Spain, Singapore, Brazil, Mexico, Japan, India, France, Canada, Canada, Canada. <laughs> United Kingdom, Germany, and United States. Canada. That's how I say it now. Although, it doesn't show me the earnings anymore. Because we're not earning anything else. It's just plain white screen. We do not have enough listenership to get paid through Anchor. In Spotify for podcasters. Uh, <clears throat> that's why I, I'm suggesting this. I do like the idea of our show being produced by them one guy's production. I think that's kind of cool. And it works because then if that even like dad's show, same thing. Produced by the same people. Top 10 episodes. Top one, still more Attitude Era Wrestling, 78. Vinny Sever, 64. Goosebumps, 61. Epic Rap Battle, 58. Missouri Ghost Stories, 51. Only Ghost Stories, 51. <laughs> Ghostbusters 47, Best Christmas Movie 47, Meatloaf 46, and Quincy Ghost Stories 46. Hmm. Our very first episode, Tyler. Vampires isn't in that list anymore. 
Yes! I think it's funny that Phineas and Ferb is a second. <clears throat> That's such a random topic. Phineas and Ferb. But more attitude wrestling number one. <laughs> <clears throat> but, yeah, I just... I don't know, man. It's one of those things where... Uh, I think we could do... We can do more with the name than one guy's production. But also, I, if we can elevate this to new heights, then I definitely think we should look into it and see what it would take. Because Spotify for podcasters is getting really hard to use. Dude, February 2nd, 20, 2022, we had 204 plays. Nice. Holy shit. Uh... But yeah, it's Spotify for podcasters actually getting really hard to use their website on the computer where I actually upload the upload our episodes. It's getting really hard to do because they created this whole new model where they want you just to create the episode within that. But then I can't edit anything. Like it doesn't allow me to scroll down to where I can actually type in a message. So I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. So I have to try to do, take it back to the old screen, because then it'll take me back to the, the way it used to do it. But then I had it won't let me scroll down to the button to click to take it to that. So I actually get rid of my my taskbar. Like I had to completely get it to where it hides. Otherwise, I can't do it. What the hell? That's what I mean. It's getting really hard to do, and I don't like it. Uh, I don't like the improvement, the improvements that they've done. Yeah. So, and we used to get offers come in for like different stuff all the time to, you know, to monetize and it no longer, we no longer get those at all. And like we used to have the ad at the beginning of the, every, every episode. We no longer have that. They... Even though they didn't pay us a ton, they only paid us a penny per listen. They still say we don't have enough listenership. So, something to think about, y'all. Alright, reach out to us. Again, well, five-star review on Apple Podcasts yep. and Spotify. It just helps people find us. Uh, reach out to us on X, at Creeptastic Nerd. Facebook and Instagram, at The Creeptastic Nerds. Or you can always email us to creeptestinger at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. I'll be back with you guys next week. Good job, back.